Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. Uh, I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Strategy Officer at Mediacom. And joining us in the room today is Jane Ratcliffe, Vice President of Mediacom EMEA and Chairwoman of Mediacom Sport and KR. Hello. Hello, and thank you very much for having me today. I think you've got the longest title of anyone we've ever <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, win, just, you win. And just keep adding on bits. Yeah, I, I did have to check before we went live, just to make sure I had every single bit of it correct. You um, do. So, uh, jumping straight into the question, so what were the significant moments in your career that got you to where you are today? Um, I think it's an interesting question, because I was trying to think about what were the, what were the real key milestones that mm. happened. And I guess I've been in the business... 33 years, which means I started when I was about 12, (laughs) clearly. Um, And I guess one of the key things for me was that my very first job, I worked at an agency called BMP, which was a full service agency. Um, And I started as a secretary. Um, And I I kind of fell into the job, if I was Mm. being really honest. But all the way through, I decided that the best thing was to do every role within the agency and try and learn every part of the job Mm. Um, and that I think kind of held me in good stead all the way through because it meant that when people came and talked to me at any time about different elements of of media in particular I kind of had a basic understanding of it and I knew how to do it and I you know I remember right back in the early days sitting with my big green books which does age me and going through and (laughs) doing spot timings and spot checking um and things like that but but they you know they're formative and they're they Mm. they keep you involved but then I guess throughout all of my career I have um I have moved quite smoothly I Mm. would say and I've been very lucky I think but I've moved quite smoothly from one role to another role and each time um I've put myself out there and taken on board something new and been being brave in a way in terms of what I've achieved and what I've done and and I've loved every minute of every job I've done and that the fact that that keeps going now and I still have the opportunity as I as I've moved on in the agency I think is really important how, how do you move and, smoothly from one role to another um I think you look at I never had a game plan Mm -hmm. as to what I really, you know, I didn't come into the industry and say, I'm going to do that, then I'm going to take that job, then I'm going to take that job. I just enjoyed what I did and I found roles that I enjoyed doing and then I went and asked if I could do more of that role. That's fascinating. It kind of makes sense. So there was never a a clear, you've got to do that and learn that and then move to the next role and do that and learn that. Mm. I genuinely chucked myself into pretty much everything I did and when it was a challenge and things were hard and I didn't know how to do it, I'd go and ask questions and I'd go and ask people. And I you know, was lucky in a way to be surrounded by incredibly talented people. I've only ever worked in two agencies, BMP and Mediacom. Uh, and in both of those, I'd say I've had very inspiring bosses and I'd say I've had very talented um, people to work around around me and Sue you know here today is one of them and when I was uh, made MD joint MD MD CEO you keep those people kind of close to you and you constantly you know you call upon them to help you and to support you Um, and and that's really what I I think what I have done Mm. Um, and I, I you know there there are things I've done that sometimes I look back on and I think I've made mistakes and I've made mistakes um I made a classic mistake once um, with one client who uh, perhaps should remain nameless. Hmm. Um, I, I know, but I went to <laughs> I went to a uh, I went to a client meeting having not fully prepared perhaps for um, the presentation, and I hadn't read every page in the document that mm-hmm. I was given. 
Um, and on the last page of this document, it had a fairly derogatory comment about uh, the client that said, you know, she, she basically gets us to do a load of other stuff and she's a seniority junkie and she'll only talk to you. Um, and I sat in front of this client that day, put the document down on the desk, she picked it up, um, started flipping through it and flicked to that back page and read the article, read the comment shut the book, put it down on the desk and looked at me and said, I think you should leave. Um, and that was it. And I remember wow. coming back to the agency thinking, oh, my God, what do I do now? And actually went straight up to uh, Steve, uh, the boss, and said, look, this is what's happened. And what I found was amazing was that instead of everyone going, oh, you idiot, you absolute <laughs> idiot, it was like everyone closed around me yeah. and said, do you know what? It's it's a mistake. Well, we were all thinking that, but for the grace of God, actually, how <laughs> do we we'll get all out support of it? you yeah. and we'll all help you. And, mm-hmm. you know, actually demonstrated to me a very key learning early on, which is the power of relationships with senior clients mm-hmm. is absolutely critical mm-hmm. because you can explain your way through things. And as long as you're honest and you're open, you can, I made a mistake. Um, then you do find that people gather around you and will help you. And, and that I, I think I learned quite a big lesson that day certainly to read the back of every (laughs) document as I went through it. Um, We've, as you said, Jane, we've worked together for a long, long time. Um, Less so at the moment, actually. I'm kind of missing you, actually. Um, It's nice to know. And I would say that um, we work in very different ways. Yes, So it leads me to the the next question, which is, could you you characterise your processes, the way you work, your systems um, for us that got you where you are today? Okay, I think it's very simple, and I remember learning this from my father, which was always engage with people, talk to people, and ask questions to start with before you open your mouth and give you an opinion. Um, Listen, and he always used to say to me, actively listen. Really actively listen uh, and hear what people are saying, and then give yourself time to consider it, perhaps go and discuss it with other people, get other people's opinions and help. And I would say in particular, um, you know, in the early days of my becoming CEO, mm. um, I used to do that a lot with you, actually. Mm. So and used, that's probably why we spent quite a lot of time mm. together, just asking your views and opinions. Mm. And then you create your own kind of response, really, to what people have said to you. And you make a decision. Mm. And you make a decision and you stick to that decision. Mm. And it might not always be 100% right. Mm. But you can tweak a decision. But if you become a kind of, oh, mumble, I'm not sure and I'm not going mm. to make a decision, you, you tend to not be able to, to move forward, in my view. Mm. Um, and I think so, my, my, I guess my process would be what, engage or talk, um, listen, consider, and then decide, decide and decide. respond and make that decision. And do it. Put it into action yeah. and make it happen. Yeah. And that's the bit that a lot of people fall down on because mm. you make the decision... And then you walk away. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to follow everything through right You are to the a end. great follower through. And yeah. that, that, you know, I guess I've always applied that process. Yes. Yeah. Doing those things. So then I'm, I'm, I'm editing on the fly because one of the questions we've had to edit. Um, it's all about keeping your standards high. And it sounds like from the interaction we've just mm. seen is that you've constantly kept high standards. And how, how have you done that? I am a bit of a, um, I don't know, it's a combination with, with a, a little bit of a control person, but actually a bit of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've always felt if you do mm-hmm. something, you, you do it to the best of your ability and you get everyone else to deliver to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And you've got to... There's an element of me, uh, without doubt, there's an element of me inside that is about looking at 
how other people can deliver and what they can deliver and understanding the limitations and when people get to the limitations not forcing them to um, to implode mm. but actually to go and support and help them you like you like keeping people in their comfort zone actually I do like a that. gentle extension of it whereas yes. I, I like to push people, people out, out to the extremes <laughs> yes and that, but but no, but that, that works quite well it does work quite well when we work together yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no and I agree and I think you're very careful of people you, you take people yeah. to a certain level you can see when they're struggling and, and I just have a view that if people are really struggling, then actually the quality of the work they produce is not at mm. the level that you want. Mm. So you are better off kind of giving them more support mm. uh, and then finding other people perhaps to bring in to take it to mm. the next level. Mm. But to your original question, mm. it, quality for me, the quality of our delivery is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it's silly things. It's, yes, it, it's absolutely about the content and what we say and what we do, but mm. it's also how we present that content and how we deliver it to a client mm. and who delivers it to the client. All these little things, mm. to me, make a really yeah. big difference. Absolutely, yeah. to, and, and I'm especially, you know, I'm finding that now in my certainly newer role in sport is that you can't just go in there and flog something and sell something to somebody. You've actually got to think about it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, and we'll come on and talk about that, but I think, you know, there will be big changes in that area of, of business mm. along with other parts of media because I, I genuinely think nowadays people need to be more considered and need to give it more thought but produce absolutely the best quality we can. Yeah. So how, how long have you worked at Mediacom? Uh, Mediacom, tw- I think this is my 25th year, 24th or 25th year. It's getting so many archives. So 25 years and Mediacom's obviously changed enormously in those 25 yes. years. If you could change it now in one way... What would you do? I, I I think it's an excellent question. How do you change something that is already a phenomenally successful mm. organisation? Um, and I, it is a brilliant, brilliant business. It constantly reinvents itself. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I remember back to the very early mm. role, Sue, when you were put in that kind of role of Sue's going to disrupt and change. Mm. And But it was a fundamental part of what made D- yeah. uh, Medicom what it is, and it's part of its DNA. If I was very critical... Um, mm. which is probably what you're asking me to do. Yeah. I would say sometimes Mediacom is too internally focused. I think sometimes we, in our desire to do absolutely brilliant work and be the best at what we do, we do spend an awful lot of time, therefore, creating inside mm. and perhaps we ought to sometimes be a little bit more externally focused okay. and engage more on an, on an external basis. Mm. Mm. Um, but, you know... It, it, mm. It's a minor tweak because yeah. I think it's... But it would be a build. It would be a build on yeah. what we've got. What does um, that look like, an external focus? What does that mean? How does that come into action? Perhaps slightly more listening to what the clients really are really looking for and what would really influence their business. Mm-hmm. Um, we develop an awful lot of cutting-edge tools. Um, we have a huge amount of understanding of data. But do we apply all of that necessarily to the individual clients and what they sometimes need rather than the systems and the processes that we believe are the right ones. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it is more it is more relationship and engagement externally, mm-hmm. um, but taking all the brilliant stuff we have. And I always said, one of the things, sorry, one of the things that mm. always, um, always got me was when we were doing pitches mm. and we'd go into a pitch and we always had so much content yeah. and we'd always walk in the room and know you know we we had an answer for everything Mm. and sometimes you kind of go less is more and you Mm. think do you know what we sometimes need to be a bit more Mm. uh brutal perhaps ourselves 
in cutting back some of the stuff that we do because we're just so passionate and keen yeah. to to build a client's business and I think that's great and that's always come through and that's why Mediacom I believe is so successful and it's sort mm. of as though but the engineering overtakes the consultative I think so yes aspect yeah I think sometimes and it's a balance yes and yeah. I think it should be a, a real balance yeah. and you know the, you look at the wealth of talent we've got in here mm, um, it is not something that isn't difficult for us to deliver yeah absolutely yes. So the, the new role, question about uh, one yeah. of the new roles. Uh, so what does the next five years of sport media look like? We know football's getting more and more and more expensive as everyone outbids each other. What, what does five years, the next five years look like? Well, to me, yeah. the challenge in sport is actually, um, and I've just come from a meeting about it, is about revolutionising mm -hmm. more than evolving mm -hmm. sport. The relationship between sport and brands, I think, is a actually a very underdeveloped one the power of sport is undeniable mm -hmm. and i think when you look at and we you know recently we looked at how many successful organizations around the world um, are investing in sport in mm -hmm. some way shape or form it's phenomenal it's 70 80 percent it's up in the very high numbers and i to me i think they're engaging but it's a short-term engagement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the opportunities, I mean, to be fair, it's born out of what was sport originally. Well, it was sponsorship and it was badging, really. Um, and, you know, whoever mm. could afford it bought the bigger rights. And if you couldn't, you bought the smaller rights. Yeah. And you, you tried to do as much as you could with them to develop them. Where I think sport's got an opportunity is to actually really understand what sport is more than just you know, a football yeah. team or a, a rugby team. It's actually understanding what is what's critical about sport, and can I take that into organisations? Um, and so I'm starting to work with different companies. Uh, Allianz would be a good example of one of our clients, where we're saying, do you know what? We're we're sponsoring the Paralympics with Allianz, but actually, it's all as a as a, a staff engagement program, not really so much as a as a customer sure. positioning mm -hmm. profile, because what sport teaches is great leadership skills. It teaches us great focus. It yeah. teaches us amazing teamwork. It mm -hmm. teaches us um, about yourself and confidence mm -hmm. and and being able to build mm -hmm. um, an ability in yourself and use that across all works of life, especially in your work environment. So, to me. I think it's a fabulous opportunity. It's a passion of mine anyway. I have been participating in sports since I was probably born almost, mm -hmm. but since I was younger. And what, um, wasn't your grandmother at Wimbledon? My grandmother was at Wimbledon playing tennis. I've um, my, my niece has just been signed up to uh, Brighton, which I'm immensely proud mm -hmm. of. So it's kind of in my DNA and it's across uh, my family, but it's also it's something I believe in. It mm -hmm. is actually something I do believe in. And I look around and I think, you know, People who've succeeded in business, often they've been mm. great sports people or they've certainly in younger days taken part, members of teams. Mm -hmm. um, as an industry, sport is probably underutilised, which is a very odd thing to say when you've got such a huge amount of money spent in sport. But mm. it's a very large amount of money mm. in a very few sports. And in particular... Mm. There's one sector of sport that's very underinvested in, isn't there, Jane? <laughs> there is in particular. So if you take women, <laughs> women in sport, which is um, a real hot topic. Yeah. Um, and it, but it isn't just again the sake of there are lots of women. There are lots more women doing sport, mm. partaking in sport, fitness activities, sports um, events, games, whatever it is. Women are a huge spending power. 
women are probably yeah. more powerful now than they've ever been and I believe will continue to grow in their importance. But actually there's an underlying thing there around what does it say about brands mm. that equalise the balance. It's not a case of, of saying that no. you, you invest in a women's football team, you don't invest behind a men's football team. It's actually more about the balance mm. and mm. getting that balance right. And women, there is no doubt, you know, yes, great opportunities for our brands, great opportunities mm. for people to get into sport at an early early level, whether it's grassroots or whether it's advanced. Um, but it's also great opportunities to, I think, to move along with the way society is changing. It's very um, exciting. And it's very exciting. It's um, good. Going back to uh, when you started out, what advice would you give to somebody starting out their career now? Do you know, I think the industry is very, very different mm. um, to what it was 30-odd years mm. ago. Um, but there are some fundamentals that never change. Mm. Um, and I think one of those is building good, strong relationships. Mm -hmm. when, I, um, when I look at the industry now and I go out and I, you know, I sit on many boards and things, the people I'm sitting on the boards with are the people that... I started in the industry with 20 or 30 years ago. And actually, we're a great network of support for mm. each other. And we're there kind of, I think the popular phrase is cheerleaders or whatever, but we're there to support each other. So I would say, spend the time and invest the time in, in really building. It's not, it's friendships, it's great yeah. friendships, but it's also um, great supportive friendships. Mm. The other thing I would say is um, work hard. And I know it's a very simple thing, yeah. but genuinely commit yourself yeah if you've got if you've come into this business and it is a fabulous business where you can have brilliant fun you can have some great opportunities you might not get in many other professions but you have got to work hard mm. um, and you've got to work at it and you know nothing is impossible I've always believed nothing is impossible if you commit yourself to doing it and you're passionate about what you want to do um, and I think nowadays perhaps there is a slight hesitancy of people to really roll their sleeves up to commit and to commit or, yeah. yeah to commit um and it you know this sort of dipping in and out and dipping in and out and i don't want to do this because i yeah i'm not sure that's do you think me. that's because there is this notion now that a career you don't have a career in one thing and that you're supposed to chop and change and that that means that mm. people hedge their bets a bit and they think well if i don't like this i might try something else yeah i think i think it could be i think there is this yeah, I think there's this view that, well, I've got to be a jack-of-all-trades, yeah. really, in order to, to survive and do well. But, you know, if you look at it and you go, but we know where the industry is going to go in the next yep. 5, 10, 15 years. It's not difficult to mm. kind of go, do you know what? I need to be really good in these areas. Mm. Um, but I, I can, you know, generally have an understanding. Mm. I mean, I was lucky. Back to my very yeah, first yeah. question. I was lucky. I worked in pretty much every part <clears throat> of an agency. Mm -hmm from the research department through to the buying department to the creative to the you know, media. I was never great at creative, admittedly, but I had a go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that all-rounder piece yeah. put me in good stead. Okay. And then you end up, you know, you go from being an all-rounder to being a bit more specialist in what you do. But I think nowadays people come in and go, mm, I think perhaps I need to do everything and everywhere. And mm. I don't know, it's this interesting view that people feel I've got to jump ship and jump mm. agency. Because to me, the opportunities now within an agency, mm. and I, you know, I would say that, but especially an agency like Mediacom and in the group, yeah. are phenomenal. You don't really need to move mm. in order to get the opportunities and to learn and to move on. And I, perhaps people need to be reminded a little bit more of that, that you can do anything you like in Mediacom. Yeah. The 
mastery takes patience, right? Yeah, I love that's that. true too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I, I love the idea of that all these different experiences gave you not just how knowledge, not just how to do things, but why knowledge, why things work as well. And that can only become through experience, experience and specialism. Yeah. I love that. And you need to take time. Yeah. Everyone's always in this rush, aren't they? Mad rush to got to be, mm. you know, it's taken me 33 years to get to do the job I really <laughs> wanted, which was sport. Yeah. But, you know, along the way, I would not have, not have, I would never have sort of not done anything I've done. I think it's been fabulous. I love it. And to one of our most popular questions. Yeah. If you were a genie, so if I needed to summon a Jane Ratcliffe uh, in a meeting and I had a round table in front of me, what five objects would I have to put in my magic circle? Commonly commonly available. So they, I have to be able to get them anywhere. Commonly available. Common, okay. Yeah. So I have thought about this. So I would have a picture. Right. I'd want a picture. I'm quite a visual person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I, when I am trying to think of things and do things, I often look at pictures um, because pictures take me into a world of whether it's imagination or I believe it's personal interpretation of a picture so recently I went to Frugueras in Spain and one of my favorite artists is Salvador Dali which is very surrealistic obviously Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking to myself you know one of the pictures I love is the metamorphosis of Narcissus Mm -hmm. Um, just because when I look at it it stimulates me to think about completely mm. different things. And uh, and I think that is a real skill that you need inside media. And I think you need to you need to be able to look at things from a very different perspective. And often it takes people to challenge you to do that. Mm. And that's something across the years I have learned. Mm. But I have found more and more I'm surrounding and filling my house with pictures. Some of them my husband thinks are a bit bizarre. Mm. But they are pictures that stimulate different And things, I think that's allowable, isn't it? Because we, we can have a print. Can have a print. Can have a print. Can have a print. Okay. That's good. Good. That's one. One. Okay. Um, my two, though, for those people that know me, I guess my two main passions in life would be a gin and tonic and a chocolate. <laughs> so I think, I'm not sure if I'm yeah. allowed both of those as one, but uh, I would definitely have to have a gin and tonic. Okay. Gin and tonic, yeah. Um, Which gin? Uh, well, I'm a Bombay Sapphire girl, but... Hendrix recently actually I'm in that kind sure. of I was going to say in the warmer climates but it's not here is it <laughs> not when I'm away um, but it's just for me it's that end of the day the first drink of the relaxant of the yeah. day I just okay. love that. GNT. GNT. So I do that um, I then thought for a genie and a, to be summoned I'd want a sound um, and the sound I would want is a seagull oh. and primarily when I grew up I grew up next to the coast and a seagull, and I always used to hear every morning the seagulls and the sea and everything. And that, uh, I, it calms me. I find it the most relaxing, calming sound, which is odd. Because it's <laughs> because a seagull is a fairly... Yeah. But to me, I guess it evokes amazing memories mm. for me. Um, so okay. I'd like a seagull. It's the first sound we've had, actually, isn't it? It's the first yeah. sound we've had. Interesting. Um, um, my fourth would be a shower. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know I'm a bit bizarre, right? but... Yeah. but a good shower. A good, a really good shower. So I, I have a house in Sussex and my kids find this hilarious, but I love going to there and I just, oh, I just got to go and have a shower. Mm. And one, because I think it's my time mm. um, and it's set away, but there's something very calming and very cleansing about mm. uh, hot water and, and a shower. And, it, it. and that's, I do quite a lot of my thinking and make my decisions actually in the shower. Mm. Quite a lot. So like that's that. one fourth. Um, and my <laughs> final one was with my love of sport would be, and this isn't, actually available but i think you could create it for me is a ticket to mm. access all sports wow i yeah. would love to be able to just go and watch any sport when i wanted to 
What would be your first port of call with this? Uh, Liverpool. Liverpool? Yeah. FC? I'm going, I'm going on Saturday actually to see oh, yeah. Liverpool play Barcelona. I didn't wow. know you were a Liverpool. Oh, I've always been I'm a Liverpool. Always. I yeah? did not Why? know that about you. Um, well, it, when I was when I was younger, I was clearly influenced quite strongly by uh, my days. I have two younger brothers. Two, uh, sorry, two brothers, one older, one younger. Um, and they were Man United fans. And on a Saturday, my father used to look after us during the day because my mother worked. And he used to take us for fish and chips on the beach out of the newspapers. Um, and one day he took us to Brighton. We went to the pier. We went to a, a shop, you know, one of these... Um, curiosity shop things and they had these three mugs on the shelf and mm. one was Liverpool and two were Man United wow. and I was given and that's why the Liverpool one. Wow. and I was seven years old and I've supported them ever since <laughs> I've stuck with them through that. thick Very and good. thin and it's going to be good this it's season it is going to be good this season um after living things yes. so every, family family fine pets or oh, everyone's fine. fine what are the three specific things you would grab from your house in a farm okay so recently I had a large birthday I turned 50 and I had the best year I think of my life I would honestly say uh, I had about six parties um, and with different people at different times and I have a collection of what I call my 50th birthday year which is all of my friends my family my work colleagues everyone um, I would want to keep that and take that with me and it's a collection of um, photos and DVDs but it's all in one pack Lovely. so I would definitely Lovely. definitely pick that up um, my daughter, it will hate me for this, but my daughter has a um, cuddly toy, I guess you call it, called Doodoo, which is a dog. Um, I would have to grab that first because throughout her life, we've left this dog in many places and I have flown back to airports to collect this dog. You've been in trouble. Wow. I've been in trouble. Yeah. Um, and so I think I would okay. grab That's the lovely. dog and run yeah. down the stairs. Um, and then the third thing would actually be a photograph of my father, okay. which I've had by my bed ever since I was a little girl. Um, what book have you given away the most? Or what's your favourite book if you don't give away books? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't given away books. My favourite book has always been and will always be Jane Eyre. Right. Um, I love classics, I've always loved um, classics and I studied English literature so um, it's just a particular passion of mine. Um, but I think it's about the, to me it epitomises the kind of caring and if you care and you love and I think they're probably words that may not necessarily be associated with business mm -hmm. um, um, and with advertising but I do I do believe very strongly in those and I think Jane Eyre was kind of a really good expression of that mm -hmm. and I it's the one book I read every year oh interesting I reread it every year it's fabulous it's lovely I'd recommend it to anyone who hasn't read it um You've got a, a son, obviously, as well as as, as well as a daughter. I do. So I, I imagine you're fairly familiar with superheroes at the moment, given his age. I am, yes. Which superhero would you liken yourself? Would you say you're most like? Okay, well, I'm actually going to go back in time here, okay. which will date me back to the 70s. Um, and there was a superhero called the Barnet Woman, which was Lindsay Wagner. You probably would. A bionic woman. Do you know, I think bionic, she's a bionic. bionic. That's what bionic. <laughs> I am sorry. She was the bionic woman. Yes, and she had these superpowers yes, of yeah. hearing more, of yes. being stronger, of having uh, bionic legs so yeah. she could run faster than anyone. Okay. I used to love it. Yeah. And I and I also think it's... Uh, she was a real problem solver as well. She you, was a you, problem solver. Yeah, she she typified kind of what out. I... Yeah. yeah. Get, get things done. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. It, you'd have to... Bionic, for most of your listeners, they're going to have to look it up. Uh, final question of the planned questions. If we were to give you a billboard anywhere 
any way you like. And Jane has been on Billboard. Oh, I have actually been on a Billboard on, at 50th. the bottom of the road here as part of my 50th oh, year lovely. celebrations. Which week? Can you sit from your office? No, but you can see it. I think. You, oh, you used oh, to have it. Up. I used to have a picture of it up in my office, but oh, um, oh, most people yeah. from the office could see it. So that's why I never heard how old I was. <laughs> <laughs> so if um, we were to give you another one, yes. where would it be and what would it say? Well, I'd like to cheat on this one if I can, but I was thinking, so with my Timothy, which is about caring, yeah. um, I would like the message to be omnipresent. I'd like the message everywhere. So I'd like to take the kind of digital network yeah. of outdoor sites around <laughs> yeah. the country yeah. um, and put that message out on there, um, which is just about uh, just please care. Because I, to me, that's one of the most important things, not just in business, but actually in life. Yeah. We do need to care a bit more about each other. That's so lovely. Please care. So. What a wonderful question. Answer. Um, these are cards from the School of Life. Uh, there's a hundred questions in here, and they're all questions about your career. So okay. if you could choose one, read it out, and then answer it. Self-selected. Pick. Well, everyone Pick always one. picks the middle one, doesn't yeah. it? Gosh, hang on. <laughs> uh, that you don't know. That you don't know. That you don't yet know what you want to do with your life is probably a sign that. I don't think it's a bad thing, actually. I actually think, you know, many people go through life not knowing what they want to do until much later. Mm-hmm. And especially nowadays, I think people come into any industry not really knowing. Unless you were a vocation, you know, mm. you, you want to be a doctor, you want to be mm. a, uh, a surgeon or whatever. I actually think for most people, having, you know, experimenting, trying, meeting lots of people, actually I think is a really positive thing. And you learn an awful lot from other people. Mm. And I think people, we never stop learning. So, you know, who knows where your career could take you. Um, and I've always been a believer, you know, I said at the beginning, I don't, I never had a specific career plan. I just went with where it, yeah. it took me and I enjoyed it. And I know that doesn't work for everyone, but it worked for me. Right. What a lovely, so. what a lovely note to end it on. Um, Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you both. It's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. you.